Hey guys, welcome to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley. Today, I have a great conversation to share with you that I had with Leanne Waters all about red letter Christianity. So we will explain what that is in uh, our conversation. Before we get into that, I have a couple announcements. One, if you are a regular listener and you enjoy Kindled and benefit from the content here, I would love to invite you to leave a review. You can do that really easily by clicking uh, on the link in the show notes or going over to the podcast app if you're not already in it and leaving a star rating and review. You don't have to write a ton, but even just a few words in a star rating uh, helps us get found so much. And I appreciate that uh, greatly if you would do that. The next thing is our Patreon community, and this is where I release bonus content uh, in the form of an extra episode every single Friday. So this is my free podcast, Kindled, and it comes out on Mondays. And then on Fridays, I release uh, Firestarters episodes inside the Patreon app for all the listeners there. And um, I want to let you know, too, in light of that announcement that including today, we have four episodes left in this season. And then I'm taking a break for the summer. So I will not be producing any new Kindled episodes for June and July. But I will be continuing to produce Friday Firestarters episodes inside the Patreon community for those listeners. So if you don't want Kindled to go away for the whole summer, if you're caught up, you don't have anything left to go back and listen to, and you love the uh, content that we that we discuss here, you are going to love Firestarters because it is just me and the mic, 30 minutes or less, discussing um, really similar topics as what I discuss on Instagram in my stories, uh, you know, cultural, political, social, theological issues from a biblical worldview. I'm going to do some creative stuff over the summer too to kind of break it up since it'll just be me all summer and you could get tired of that. Um, But I would love to have you join us considering the fact that, you know, I'll take a break from Kindled and joining the community is $10 a month. You also get a live Zoom call every month with me and all the women in there. And we now have our own chat platform so the women can uh, engage with each other and get to know one another. And that is on the app Discord. So we are, you know, in the process of kind of building that out, having different topics that people can discuss or ask questions on or start their own topics or just get to know other ladies and um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So it's just continuing to kind of get built out as we go along. This is really only um, a few months old, like six or seven months old, and there's over 55 women in there. So anyways, would love to have you join us, especially to continue getting content over the summer. And you can, again, learn more at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. Okay, that is it. So here is my conversation with Leanne Waters. Leanne, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So um, for those of uh, the listeners who are not familiar with your Instagram ministry page, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name's Leanne. Um, my husband and I have been married. It'll be 10 years this summer. We have two small children. Our son just turned five and our daughter is three. And um, I went to a small Christian university and got my BA in Christian studies, um, biblical studies, kind of that however topic world you want to call it. Um, and I always knew at least from high school that I'd be teaching. Um, I love God's word and scripture and learning about scripture. And so I felt like I'd have some kind of ministry someday where I was teaching the Bible, um, in some aspect. And, you know, 15 years ago, Instagram was not a thing. Um, I think all of us who are doing like online ministry right now had no idea 
what kind of landscape would be available. And Instagram's just kind of exploded. Um, after I graduated, I did do, I worked in a church for a while. I taught school for a while. And then when I had mm-hmm. our son, my ministry just became at home. I knew I needed to be at home raising our kids. And then Instagram became this thing. And it just thought that it could be an outlet to do what I always thought I'd be doing, teaching the Bible in some aspect. Um, Faithful Defender was born out of just a journey that my husband and I took when we started noticing, and this will kind of connect to what we'll talk about today, but just um, all of our friends, we grew up in a Christian environment, both of us, we went to a small Christian university and really solid believers that we knew and loved were slowly like, it's kind of snowballed, but it started slow, falling away from the faith. Um, or deconstructing, of course, it didn't have a name back then, but it would be deconstructing and kind of adopting more progressive ideas. And we were just like, what is going on? And so we just, it just took us on this journey of like diving into theology again and doctrine. So we could have conversations with our friends oh my. Oh my, and my laptop. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. So we could have those conversations with our friends and just know what was going on in culture and refute those lies and ideas. And then eventually my husband was like, you know, maybe you should put it on Instagram to share what you're learning. And so that's what Faithful Defender is. It just is for women to help them faithfully defend the faith. Um, I think the reason we saw so many people fall away from the faith in our generation was because we kind of grew up with this soft Christianity. We didn't, we knew the basics. We didn't really know why we believed certain things about doctrine or theology. And then we got out into the world and we were just confronted with a lot of um, really good sounding lies. And, um, I think that's what we're seeing in culture happen right now. So my hope with my Instagram page is that it helps women have a leg to stand on. Um, they can refute the lies in culture with biblically sound doctrine and truth, and just kind of know what's going on in culture. Um, so they know what's Mm -hmm. going on around them. So that's, that's the purpose of the account. And that's what I do. Yeah. I love how you just explained that, you know, some of the things you were seeing and and how we grew up with uh, kind of that soft Christianity or that soft, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm still trying to learn exactly what was it that I was taught. Cause I, I thought that I, I, it's not that I don't think I was a Christian. I actually, I do believe that I was, um, was, was saved, but I had not been given a foundation. I just did not, I just didn't, I wasn't equipped to encounter lies. I, I, the idea that there would be lies out there mm-hmm. mixed in with the truth was something that I don't feel like I was ever prepped with. I, I don't remember, yeah. you know, I, I always, I kind of thought of everyone as like, you're either wrong or you're right. Mm-hmm. Not ever that. And that is like, at the end of the day, that's true. You're, you're either on the side of truth or on the side of uh, deception and, and you are part of the darkness, but I didn't have a category for like things parading as light that sounded good and yet weren't rooted. And so I just wasn't even aware I needed to look out for that. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful today that there's people like you actually breaking down and trying to, you know, pinpoint and explain and unpack some of the things that we're seeing happen inside the church and outside the church that are really just deceptions that are so, so nicely packaged and Mm -hmm. so attractive and sound really loving Mm -hmm. and yet are actually just, um, pitfalls for us and, and that, that do not help us to glorify God or obey him. Yeah. Yeah. They're really subtle. That's the word. Um, I think growing up, we always thought that maybe it was Christians against atheists. And so you're always ready to like go against someone who didn't believe in God. Right. Right. Um, 
kind of the classic Ray Comfort stuff, which I love what he does and he does it really well. But then we, I don't think we were prepared for the progressive Christian side, people who mm-hmm. still said that I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. Right. Um, but I also don't believe in hell and I don't yes. believe in the atonement, but you're right. still calling yourself a Christian. I think that's, what's been so confusing and so alarming to see in culture, especially like, as we look at celebrity Christians kind of going through that deconstructing mm-hmm. in a, on like a popular platform. Mm-hmm. And then like what I noticed with our friends, um, around us who were like solid believers who would have never rejected like the doctrine of hell or the atonement. But then here they are doing that now. And some are are like agnostic now, some are progressive Christians. And um, I just don't think we were ready for that, that side, those subtle lies like that. Yeah. It was almost like we were like, wait, that's a thing. Like you, mm-hmm. you can, you can do both. Oh, hold on, hold on. Like yeah. I got to figure out what to say to that because no, I know you, I know you can't, but that's a new one. And that, yeah. and that's something that we're all still trying to kind of catch up. I think um, right. those of us who are now aware of those deceptions and are like, okay, how do we address those things? Because, you know, praise God that he rescued us out of that. And, yeah. um, and certainly I can see how easy it would be to fall for these lies, but how do we, how do we lovingly and gently and yet firmly call people back to the truth and back to Orthodox Christianity, yeah. traditional historic Christianity, as Elisa, yeah. Elisa Childers says, right. and, mm-hmm. and how do we remind them of like, no, this is actually not, that's not what the Bible teaches. Yeah. So we're going to talk about red letter Christianity today. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what you and I are getting at. Um, uh, and, and this, this issue of, uh, bringing into question certain teachings, um, namely teachings, uh, from Paul that seems, he seems to be the biggest target of progressive Christianity when it comes to, um, to calling into question the authority and the veracity of scripture and whether or not it has any say over how we live today. So can you explain what, what does it mean when someone says like red letter Christianity, I, I follow red letter Christianity. What does that mean? Yeah. So I think in the most general sense, um, these would be Christians who want to uphold or, um, elevate really, um, more than any other section of the Bible, the words of Jesus, which are often written or printed in red in some of the new Testament editions of the Bible. So that's why it's called red letter Christianity. They just want to, focus all of their attention their worldview around just the words of Jesus um, and hold it to a higher standard. So typically, and we kind of alluded to this already in my own personal encounters with people like this, they tend to be more liberal or progressive Christians mm-hmm. who hold to this idea. Um, they will say that they um, get upset that other maybe more normal evangelical Christians they get hung up or we would get hung up on the things Jesus never explicitly said in the gospels. So mm-hmm. like homosexuality or abortion, and that we tend to forget the things that Jesus did say. Therefore, you know, evangelical Christians today have lost sight on what Christianity is really all about. That's what a red letter Christian would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like we already said, I've noticed this, uh, really come. It's not, um, I wouldn't say that every red letter Christian hates Paul, but there is a movement within it that is um, really against Paul and the letters he wrote. Um, not that they, some, I guess, would say that they shouldn't listen to Paul at all, but then some would obviously say that, you know, Jesus' words are more important than Paul's. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there is a real, um, and I didn't really realize this because I heard about the idea of red letter Christianity before I realized there was actually uh, organization. So redletterchristians.org uh, is an organization you can go to, you can see what they do. Um, but I guess it makes sense. You know, you create an organization and then your ideas just go out into the world and then you kind of find your way back to the source of it all. But Tony Campolo was actually one of the founders of this organization. And some of your listeners may be familiar with him. He used to be, a, you know, a really solid Bible teacher and professor and has since become more progressive. But he has this quote about red letter Christianity that I thought really sums up the movement. So I thought I'd just read it really quick. But um, again, this is Tony Campolo. So he says, as the red letter Christian movement came to be known, I realized it would never be accepted. This is because many Christians don't really like the God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. They want the God that is in the black letters. And so I just think that really sums up and we'll talk more about all of the problems with this, obviously, but that really sums up their movement and the way they view scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my hope and purpose in talking with you and your listeners today is that we can trust what Psalm 119 says, where it says that his word is already settled in heaven. Like we don't need to question um, uh, the words of Paul or any other writers in the Bible um, and knowing how to recognize this will help um, us stand firm against those who would, as second Peter says, ind- uh, introduce destructive heresies in their depra- depraved context. So that's kind of in gen- a general sense, what red letter Christians are. Yeah, man, that's so, that's so crazy to me because what really that quote is creating two different gods. It's it's, yeah. it's proposing or basically, or it's presupposing that there are two different gods. There's the God that is Jesus, the son Mm -hmm. and what he says in the Bible. And then there's the God of the black letters, which would be anything inspired by God written by men. That was not the actual words of Jesus as he walked Mm -hmm. on the earth in his earthly ministry. right? Right. So yeah. Where in the world does that idea come from? Because I mean, I, I think we see all throughout scripture and I know you would agree that um, I mean, what's the reference? All scripture is breathed by God, God breathed. Yeah. profitable. Is that second mm-hmm. Timothy? Yeah. Second um, Timothy. For, you know, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, it is, it, it, all scripture is breathed by God. So whether or not Jesus spoke it or Paul wrote it or Timothy wrote it or James wrote it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't not, not some of it is not more accurate than others. Right. right. And, and God used so many imperfect humans to, um, you know, to further his message of the gospel. And so I'm just, wow. It's like, where in the world are we headed? If we are ready to say that there are two different gods and, and one of them, the, the God represented by Jesus's words is superior. Like, I don't even know where that would lead us. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a dangerous path. And, um, I, when I started seeing this in my own personal, like I would actually no people I know would tell me things like, I just, I just would rather go with Jesus on things. Like, um, Paul was kind of like, he was kind of like really tough on things. And we're not really sure, you know, if, um, he actually knew, um, Jesus, like kids, he wasn't a disciple, you know, on during Jesus early ministry. Mm -hmm. So how do we really know? Like he knew Jesus and I've heard, I've people have told me things like that. Mm -hmm. And when I started, realizing that this kind of all filtered from this red letter Christian organization. Um, 
you know, there's going to be a whole, when you go to, if you ever go to their website, um, there's a whole host of people that contribute to the writings that come out of it from all different walks of life. But it seems like the main founders, which were Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne, I don't know if people would know who he is. Um, they wanted, um, to kind of get away from this Western Christianity that seem to be represented in their words by only one kind of voter block. So it has a political leaning to it. Um, Tony Campola had thought that, you know, Western Christians had lost its focus on Jesus and they were more concerned at the, you know, they're concerned at the growing misuse of the word evangelical to identify a certain voting block in the U S I guess. Mm -hmm. And their desire was a church that looked like Jesus and a recapturing of the term evangelical to mean a people who bring good news to the world. And you can find that on their website. So that was kind of their idea. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they wanted, they wanted Christians to remember that Jesus was the one who told us to care for the poor and the downtrodden, you know, he called his followers to abandon materialism and love their enemies. He, you know, identified with peacemakers and the merciful and said, those are the truly blessed ones. Um, and they believe that Christians today, forgot those things. So they didn't really aspire to live a life like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, there could be some truth in that. I mean, that sounds really good. Of course, there are Christians who have forgotten those things and there is definitely a misuse of evangelical and a certain voting block and that certain Christians have to be this way when it comes to political ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, believing those things takes you down a really dangerous road and, um, And as we'll talk about, there's a lot of concerns with elevating red letters over the black letters and making two different gods, like a God in your own image almost. Yeah. So why do people have an issue with this God of the black letters or the, you know, black letter Christianity, if you could say it, like, what is it that you, that you see or hear, what are people identifying is that the concern, because I guess it built into that idea that we should elevate the words of Jesus is, is perhaps like, um, I feel like there's some, there's some dishonesty there. It's like they already, there's something that they want to get rid of in the black letters. Mm-hmm. And they're using perhaps the fact that Jesus didn't talk about these certain cultural issues or these hot topics that they don't like where yeah. those black letters fall to say, Hey, look, we need to really just, let's just follow Jesus. Like that's, you know, they're making a positive, they're making it sound like a positive, uh, invitation or command, which Christ did say, follow me, Mm -hmm. but he didn't say like, he did not discredit all of, um, like all of scripture that even was written before he was born. Like he actually explained Mm -hmm. those scriptures to his apostles or to his disciples. He explained the the prophecies to them and he unpacked them. So that doesn't look to me like Jesus is there discrediting, any other scripture. And he did not say, you know, uh, abandon, abandon the law or he didn't say that he came, he came to fulfill it. So, so yeah, what are, what are you hearing that people are, you know, what's the main issue people have Mm -hmm. with it that you think is really motivating this? Well, um, I really think that has to do with the political and cultural movement Mm -hmm. of our time right now. Now, the relative Christians will say that they are apolitical, like they don't really have a political leaning, though 
Yeah, so they they send out this voter guide every election cycle, even though they say they're apolitical, and they would say, here's who you should vote for that uh, would follow most in line with the red letters of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think the motivation behind it is there's a lot of really hard topics that our culture is dealing with right now mm-hmm. about abortion, about homosexuality, um, but um, they want to even though they say they're apolitical, drive the Christian, the Western Christianity in the country uh, to follow just the red letters of Jesus. And I think, in my opinion, it's a way to get out of the hard stuff, for Mm. lack of a better word, because um, Paul is the one, you know, Jesus had his earthly ministry. Um, He had his mission. He explained the law and the prophets. He obviously died for our sins and was resurrected. And then Paul came and he knew that he was being commissioned by Jesus to explain um, a lot of Jesus' earthly life and ministry so that it could, so Christians could know how to live out their new life in Christ. That was Paul's ministry. Um, And so Paul obviously was going to deal with the hard stuff. He's going to deal with homosexuality. He's going to deal with um, women's roles and uh, pastoral roles and church roles and you know, all these issues that a lot of people want to get away from. And I just kind of personally think that it's uh, an easy way out. If you can neglect what Paul says, um, think about all the things that you could get away with in our culture today. Um, You would do away with the women's role debate, you know, women pastors, you would do away with just church discipline and church hierarchy, you know, the roles churches have, you would do away with um, the homosexuality passages in um, Mm -hmm. the New Testament. There's just so much that you could um, just dismiss easily if you just want to go with the words of Jesus. And, um, you know, a lot of relative Christians, um, they say that they want to remain neutral on these things. So they might say like, you know, murder is wrong. Jesus says murder is wrong. So war is bad. So we should do away with wars. Or they would say, Jesus says, you know, we should care for the poor. So we might need, you know, state run social programs Um, or Jesus embodied mercy. So we really need to rethink capital punishment Mm -hmm. and it may need to be done away with. And even though they say they want to remain neutral, um, I think Ali Stucky has said this before, nothing is neutral. Everything has a worldview. So, and every, what you believe will inevitably inform your day-to-day life. And I just think the main motivation behind it is to get a, do away and dismiss some of the harder teachings of scripture, but still sound like you're a Jesus follower. That's just, that's what I feel is the main motivation in reading what they've written and in encountering people who believe this way in my own personal life. Hey, I got to interrupt this episode real quick to let you know about my business that is sponsoring today's episode. That is H. Williams Creative. That's my web design and branding business. I build WordPress websites for businesses of all sizes to help them show up beautifully online and accomplish all that they want to do with their website and their digital presence. If you need help with either a new logo, a brand, a WordPress website, anything in between, please contact me. Let's chat. I'll let you know if I can help you. Email me at Haley, H-A-L-E-Y, at hwilliamscreative.com or visit my website, hwilliamscreative.com to learn more about what I do and see some of my past work. All right, back to my conversation with Leanne Waters. Yeah, and I, I think you're dead on with all of that, that it it actually kind of starts, it doesn't start from a theological conviction, it started from a political conviction right. and a political mm-hmm. movement and it moves into your theology. 
which yeah. I've, I've heard, I don't know who it was that I heard say this, that often progressive politics lead to progressive theology. Yeah. And I yeah. actually can't think of a single case where they don't, because yeah. that's what we've seen happen with Beth Moore, which I know was your inspiration behind mm-hmm. some of the posts that you did um, last year talking about red letter Christianity and Jesus yeah. and Paul. And, um, and she does this very thing. Beth Moore does this very thing in her post. And she mm-hmm. basically says, um, you know, it, it, it's so subtle. Like we said, it's so subtle yeah. that, um, it almost, it, it, it's almost like, well, yeah, of course, like, of course I believe that, but you don't realize that what she's really doing yeah. is, um, is actually discrediting and trying to call, uh, other scripture, like we just mentioned that have to do with these, these, you know, issues that we're facing today, like mm-hmm. capital punishment or like women in ministry or like homosexuality, um, you don't realize that she's actually her, her goal is, is to do that. And so right. without discernment, without the awareness, you might be like, oh, well, I mean, what's the problem? So her words, she said, are, uh, my basic take on life this far. If tons of folks say one thing and Jesus says another, I'd pretty well go with Jesus on it. Yeah. No, yeah. I was not subtweeting the apostle, but I'd like to say something here. I believe wholeheartedly all scripture is inspired by God, authoritative truth, but the persons themselves, Paul and Jesus are not equals. I know this is hard for some to swallow, but Paul is not our savior. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) On the face of it, of course, of course, they're not equals. We know Paul isn't the son of God, but why is she saying that? That's the question we need to ask. Why is she drawing this distinction between Jesus and Paul? Like, was anybody worshiping Paul or is it that you don't like what Paul teaches? And so you're calling into question Paul as a person and saying, well, because Paul isn't Jesus, you know, he was just a man. So anything he wrote was possibly just his own manly, you know, or worldly earthly perspective right. that is not in inspired and inerrant and, and really truly the word of God, the way that what Jesus said was the word of God, because Jesus is God. Yeah. Again, it's all about the why. Why is she saying this? Why is she yeah. bringing this into question? It's It's like, what? I don't think anyone's worshiping Paul. No. I've, I've not seen that. I mean, maybe some Mm-mm. Catholics perherhaps have, you know, the St. Paul, the apostle. I, I know maybe some of them are praying to him. I don't know, but, yeah. but wow. Yeah. It's just when you, when you realize there's a motive there, it causes you to go, okay. So if I hear someone saying, I follow Jesus, we need to actually look at the rest of what they're saying, you know, yeah, like what, absolutely. what uh, it, I, I said this yesterday. I said, follow Jesus in the, in, in a post that I wrote, but I'm not saying that to discredit, you know, following all of scripture. Right. So you have to look at the context of what someone's saying. It's not that following Jesus is wrong, but if, if someone is basically trying to highlight that in order to get you to minimize something else, the Bible says then mm-hmm. you need to be really careful. Right. Right. It's the, um, and it's because, you know, people who know you, Haley, or who would know me in my personal life or who follow our online accounts, they know that we have a proper understanding of the Trinity, mm-hmm. um, who Jesus is and what the Bible is. Um, I think people who, um, and I'm not trying to put words in Beth Moore's mouth, but uh, other people maybe who believe this way have a really, it's a really low view of scripture. And I think it shows a very poor understanding of the Trinity and how the Trinity works together. Um, and understanding that the Holy spirit is the same God that inspired Paul's words. It's the same God who inspired the prophets of the old Testament. God is the same God of the old Testament, the new, and it just shows a really poor understanding. I think of 
the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Um, Beth Moore is, um, the queen of, uh, word smithing. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, people who understand her and the issues with her would under, would would know what I'm saying. when I say that she has a way of saying things that like sound really great on the surface, but then they're like, also, what are you also saying behind that? Mm -hmm. And that was one of, that was the issue with this particular tweet. Um, it's a straw man argument basically. So no one, no one is, um, who is a true follower of Christ, who is a true Christian is worshiping or deifying Paul. Right. But we also understand where Paul's words come from. And I, I think that, um, it just shows. And again, I'm not trying to put words in Beth Moore's mouth, but you have to ask this question. What does she mean? Like, what else do we have of Paul other than his words in our new Testament? So what part of Paul is she saying that we've deified or that we're elevating in some way that shouldn't be elevated. We don't have any other, you know, written record of Paul other than what are, you know, the 13 letters you have in your new Testament. So it begs that question. Like, why is she saying that? I would, uh, yeah, we do need to ask that question and I'd be curious to hear her answer, although I'm not Mm -hmm. sure she would give an honest answer. Um, my, my perception is that her, why she's saying we're deifying him is because we're taking the words that he wrote that we believe scripture has said are divinely inspired and are from God and that we're actually holding them to the same standard as the rest of scripture. And we're saying mm-hmm. these are God breathed just as well as the words that Jesus spoke. They yeah. are, they all are. And by doing that, we are imposing a imperfect, um, uh, you know, what's the word? A, uh, we're, we're basically elevating words of man to the word of God, but no, we're elevating the word of God to the word of God. That's what we're doing. We're we're holding it all to the same standard and saying, no, it's, it's actually all God breathed, whether or not it was written by Paul or spoken by Jesus. These are the words of God. It's can't, it's in the Canon. This is this is scripture and we need to treat it as such. And so mm-hmm. if, if we are not willing to call into question things that were written by people like Paul or anyone else who wrote anything that today doesn't fit in a progressive political agenda, then we're deifying it. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing, you know? Right. And so if we're not willing to call it into question and say, oh, well, that was just written for the time. That was just a cultural phenomena or, oh no, he didn't mean homosexuality was a sin. He meant we need to have monogamous homosexual relationships, Mm -hmm. not it. He was speaking to this, this practice of polygamy, or he was speaking to the practice of sexual immorality outside of marriage. But as long as you are married to one person, whether it be a, you know, man or woman, it doesn't matter. That's what people say. That's the argument they make is no, Paul, it was just a cultural context thing. And so it's like, well, you have to really do some, some pretty crazy gymnastics, linguistic gymnastics in order to truly argue that and believe that. Um, But I think that that is what, I think that that is what we see happening is if you're not willing to call into question these things that are now today, because of the era that we live in, which is a progressive secular mm-hmm. postmodern era, um, post-truth era. Yeah. Anything that's post, anything that claims to be true is, is now going to really uh, come into conflict with that. And so yeah. 
if you aren't willing to call that into question and rethink it and say, well, here's my conviction, but yours <laughs> is fine too, then right. you're deifying him. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. and we have to reject that wholeheartedly. Yes. We have to just absolutely reject that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that um, may be helpful to your listeners is to just kind of, if we, and maybe they're really expert Bible listeners at, or Bible uh, studiers, but uh, if you can understand some of the background of like Paul and his ministry and his uh, life and then his relationship to Jesus, then I think that um, you can uh, rest confidently in the words of, um, of what he wrote in his 13 letters and trust that they're scripture. Um, and maybe like we were talking about earlier, it just comes from a lack of understanding the Bible and understanding how we got the canon understanding, you know, we were taught, this is the Bible, but we maybe weren't taught our generation, like why we can trust what we have in our new Testament, Mm -hmm. um, why we can trust Paul. Like why, why do we have his 13 letters? Why did the church accept them? the early church accept them as scripture. Um, but not even the early church. One of the really cool things is that even Peter during their, when they were living, uh, uh, alive together, doing ministry side by side, Peter even equated, um, Paul's letters to scripture. I think it was in, yeah, it was in second Peter three fifteen. Uh, he writes our beloved brother, Paul, according to the wisdom given to him has written to you as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, which, those who are untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of scripture. Mm -hmm. So he's literally equating Paul's letters at the time to the rest of scripture that they had, which would have been the old Testament at the time. So even in Paul's own lifetime, Mm -hmm. uh, the apostles who walked with Jesus, Peter, Mm -hmm. um, were saying that this is a brother. We can trust his words. They're inspired by the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, those are just pieces of scripture that I just think people don't, aren't aware of, they don't maybe read past that. And they, they don't realize how amazing that is that, um, we could trust Paul's words, even in his own lifetime as being inspired by the Holy spirit. Um, but obviously there's just, there's a lot of issues with this idea of, you know, elevating and just taking Jesus's red words over the black letters of even the old Testament. Um, you know, it, like we said, it neglects that all scripture is God breathed. Um, it fails to recognize in a sense that Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, and so what was said by God through the prophets and Holy spirit in Leviticus is also said by the same God, God, the son in the gospels. Um, it's also good to remember that Jesus clearly affirmed the authority of the old Testament on many occasions during his life. He quoted Deuteronomy three different times, um, in the desert to Satan, you know, during his temptation, he used the old Testament against the Pharisees. Many times he would say things, have you not read? And then he would Mm -hmm. quote the old Testament. And then Jesus clearly equated the law and the scripture with the word of God that's in John 10 34. And he says that it can't be broken. Mm. Um, so I just think it holds like a very low view of scripture, a very poor understanding of the Trinity and how it works. Um, it also pits the Bible against itself. Um, it pits the words of Jesus over parts of the new Testament, um, even, right. and, um, on the red letter Christian website, um, under their value section, They say, you know, the words of Jesus are authoritative, but they provide the lens through which we understand the rest of the Bible. So it kind of gives you an idea, like they're taking what Jesus said in red and they're going to 
filter everything through that in the rest of scripture. Mm-hmm. And one of their writers um, said something, uh, he said, to be a faithful Christian today means that we must question and think critically in love rather than blindly adhering to scriptural precepts. Um, and I saw, so again, I think it just shows that they want to question, like we are talking about question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is really true unless it's true for you. What's true for me, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it also, I mean, it, and it pits Jesus against the Bible. He grew up with Jesus grew up with the old Testament. That was what he was taught. You know, right. Jesus' words and character are contrasted, um, you know, uh, with the old Testament law or the various commands of God scattered, uh, throughout the narrative sections of the Torah. So where Jesus and the old Testament seem to conflict on violence or neighbor love, sexuality, or some other hot topic, you know, red letter Christians will say, uh, go with Jesus. You know, if you have to pick between the red or the black letters, go with the red. That's kind of so, their take on it. And the funny thing is, so if what we're saying is true, that all scripture is God breathed and there is no disunity in God and in the Trinity. And so there can't be disunity in what Jesus said versus what Paul said versus mm-hmm. what any, any scripture says, then all we will find if you go with Jesus, quote unquote, is that you're going with the whole Bible, right? So it's almost like we can say, yeah, you're right. We will go with Jesus. And yeah. Jesus affirmed the law. He affirmed. Yeah. And, and he actually, in Matthew 5, 27, he says, you have heard that it was said, which he's referencing the law, the Torah, mm-hmm. you shall not commit adultery. And that's from the, the 10 commandments. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So he did not abolish the law. He said, you have heard that the law said, don't commit adultery. And then he added, he actually took it up a notch. He, he, he only expounded on what the law said. He didn't abolish it. He didn't Mm -hmm. go against it. He didn't defy it. He leveled up in a sense and said, it's actually not just that you commit physical adultery. It's that if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. And that is something that almost no one, if not, no one can actually fulfill. Nobody can do that. Like a lot of people can maybe resist actually sleeping with someone who is not their husband or wife, but, but, but nobody can resist lust. I mean, there's, even if it's just wanting something that someone else has, if it's just the, the lust of the eyes or, you know, or uh, envying something your neighbor has, like that was the idea of what he was saying there in Matthew five. He was actually, mm-hmm. he was showing just how, how heart level and how fundamentally um, inept we were at actually fulfilling the law. Yeah. And, and that what he came to do was to do that, to fulfill that. So when yeah. people say, I, we need to get rid of the old, you know, the, the 10 commandments. We don't need the 10 commandments. God gave us a new, Jesus gave us a new law. Mm-hmm. And, and he did say a new law I give to you. And then he said the the two yeah. greatest commands, mm-hmm. but it, again, when, what we see echoed in those commands, as well as everything that Jesus said in his earthly ministry was an amplification of what was in the scriptures. What it, it was. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't just that it was that. And, and by the way, you've sinned if you've even lusted. Right. So it's like, oh my gosh, like, I I don't know why there's this perception. I guess it's just misunderstanding and and a very cursory reading of scriptures and not really understanding what it meant or what Jesus meant by what he said that, that he wasn't, he wasn't letting up. Like he was actually driving it home. He was driving the point home. And if you don't see that, man, that's just so tragic because you're missing that. Wow. He actually elevated the requirement and you are that much less capable of fulfilling it. 
right? Thanks be to God. Christ did it for us. But wow, it is just like, how do you miss that? Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot, and I've heard, and I've, and just doing some more research for this interview, saw a lot of red letter Christians, um, hinting around that idea that Jesus did get rid of the old Testament law. Yeah. In his sermon on the that's mount. a very like, that popular was, idea today. Yes. In like modern Christian churches. Yes, and I think you said it when you said that people just—it's just a poor understanding of what the Sermon on the Mount was. Jesus was the better Moses on the yes. mount, receiving, um, not abolishing the law, but expounding on it. He, yeah. you know, he said in that sermon, you know, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then he would say, you know, you've heard it said, just like what you're saying. And when he's saying that, when he's saying, you have heard it said. Jesus is referring to in that moment, the scribes and the Pharisees who interpreted the law Mm -hmm. and then told people how they should follow it. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus point during the sermon on the Mount was to make sure everyone knew that God not only cares about the external acts of following the law, but he cares about the heart behind it just as much. And the Pharisees, their problem was that they focused too much on the external and they neglected the internal. They claimed that if just, if you just do this or follow this, which is external, um, then you are holy. And then Jesus comes in and says, Nope, holiness starts in the heart. God cares about a heart that desires him. And then just going through the motions without the right heart desires and claiming holiness is actually dishonest. And that's what makes you a hypocrite. So an example would be, um, in Matthew, again, Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it uh, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother sister will be subject to judgment. So that's the, the external command is do not murder, which is good. We should definitely have that law. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. definitely a good thing. But he's also saying it starts in the heart, which is the internal. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever sin we commit externally has an internal beginning. And so Jesus is offering in his sermon about further clarifications to these already good commands. Um, I think I've heard um, maybe like Daryl and Virgil and just thinking say like uh, when they reference Cain and Abel, you know, they, if he had just gotten his heart in check, getting rid of the anger, then maybe he would have murdered his brother, but it started in the heart. Like, and then all the issues we see today, like, like racism is a hot topic, all that it starts in the heart. It's a heart issue. And then we have maybe external things that follow. Um, but Jesus was not abolishing the law. Um, I actually was looking this up on um, got questions. So I heard that reference of Jesus being the true and better Moses in that instance. And I really love that, but, yeah. um, got questions said that, um, it's the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit behind it. Keeping the letter of the law doesn't make you righteous. None of us can keep the whole law perfectly anyway. God requires a heart transformation. We must be born again. The law was good and proper. Its purpose was to define sin and delineate holiness. Jesus was not in any way negating the law. He was showing us the reason for the law. Jesus fulfilled the law and that he was the only person to ever keep the whole law, even in his heart without sin. And um, so anyway, a lot of people, like you said, just want to do away with Old Testament law, because they say Jesus in his red letters gave us something better to follow. And by the way, in those red letters, he never talked about homosexuality or abortion. So we don't have to talk about that either. So again, I think it's just a cop out, um, almost just an easy way out of those really hot topics of today. Yeah, absolutely. And both John and Jesus in Matthew, um, called the Pharisees a brood of vipers Mm -hmm. and said, uh, you know, that they were whitewashed tombs. Yeah. which is speaking back to what you were saying. They, they were concerned with the external, the actions, what was visible 
and the, you know, the keeping of that external law, but, but not aware that the point and the entire goal of the law was to keep the heart pure was to, you know, keep, keep, uh, the people separate from everyone else around them. And what we saw was like, that's impossible. We can't Mm -hmm. like our, we can't keep ourselves pure. We can't, we're not, we're not actually capable. And, and that's why we needed, we needed a better, um, we need someone to actually do that for us. And, and all of the people that got appointed who, who even did a halfway good job or David, who he says was after his own heart, still sinned, still fell into moral failure. Mm -hmm. And, and Jesus we see is the only one throughout all of scripture who is able to do that. Um, so I think it's just, it's really important to actually read all of scripture before you try and interpret one verse in a vacuum. It just, I mean, if, if, yeah, that's the only verse you have, then I can understand how you, how you would come to some conclusion like that, but we have all of scripture. So why are we doing that? And, um, there's really no excuse. There's really no excuse because we do have all of God's word to, to misinterpret that. And, we will be held. Uh, Jesus said that the Pharisees would be held accountable for every careless word that they spoke, and mm-hmm. um, and by their words they would either be justified or condemned. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I believe that you know all of us are are held to uh, really the perfect standard that the law sets out that we know we cannot fulfill, and that's right. why the gospel is good news, and that's why we mm-hmm. have to. We have to be true to what it says. We cannot yeah. say the gospel is good news. And so let's interpret, let's just, let's stick with Jesus. Well, okay, mm-hmm. go ahead and do that. But Jesus sticks with the old Testament as well. Right. He, he upholds God's word throughout. So I, you're not going to get away from it, you know? Yeah. Right. And, um, one really interesting perspective on this, uh, when I was reading uh, more about it was that, um, if you take this path of just going by the red letters and ignoring other things, um, you ignore something that's so pivotal to the new Testament about Jesus, which is eyewitness testimony. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have the red letters without the black in a sense, like you yeah. need the eyewitnesses, especially wow. the apostles, um, who are the ones who told us what was in their red letters. Right. And, um, and like you said, it negates context. If you don't have the black letters around the red letters and you can just take the red to mean whatever you want, but there's so much in the black letters that gives context to why Jesus was saying what he was saying in that moment. Um, there was just this really interesting article by Joel Looper who talks about, um, this eyewitness testimony and the reason why it just makes the red letter Christian argument fall to pieces because we have to have the eyewitness yeah. testimony, the black letters to have the red letters. That's so and, smart. Yeah. um, yeah, I mean, red letter Christians, they, the founders of the movement, I guess would imply that we don't need those first witnesses. And that once we have the words of Jesus, we somehow have like a better access to Christ teaching apart from their testimony. And that's just not true. Yeah. I mean, the whole new Testament relies on eyewitness testimony and it's right. so important. And for why context. would you, why in the world, if you distrust these authors of, of black letter books, you know, without <laughs> another way of describing it, mm-hmm. why would you trust what they said about what Jesus said? Yeah. Why would you trust what they wrote that Jesus said? If you don't trust what they wrote that Jesus didn't say, like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. How are, how are you coming to that conclusion that, well, when they're quoting Jesus, it's all there and it's true. And it's, it's totally, it's totally accurate. But whenever they're not quoting Jesus, it wasn't real. 
right or what uh, that yeah just how do you piecemeal scripture like that it's totally not arbitrary it's not right yeah and that's where we we can go okay well you can do that because there's an ulterior motive here and right and you are actually after you have an end mm-hmm. in mind your end is abandoned teachings that don't fit our progressive theology and our progressive yeah. political agenda and how do we do that oh we question and we literally tear down anything that that speaks to that. And, oh, look, conveniently that just happens to be in Paul's letters. So let's demonize Paul. You know, they're saying we're, we're deifying Paul, but actually they're demonizing Paul. So how is that? Yeah. I I just, it's so obvious there's an agenda here and, um, and it's really unfortunate that, that anyone would fall for it. And so I'm, I'm thankful that you're speaking out about this. What other red flags should people look for in any teachers or, authors or speakers that, that perhaps what are things people would be saying yeah. that would help them identify? Maybe this is, is someone to look into or be more careful with. Yeah. I would be cautious of anybody that says, uh, Jesus never talked about X, Y, and Z. That is probably the biggest red flag. Um, and if you hear any version of that, I would say question it because going on what we just talked about, um, before all of this, if you, take into, so like Jesus never talked about abortion or homosexuality explicitly taking into account the full counsel of scripture and understanding what the Trinity is and how the Trinity works together. We know that Jesus, um, as God had plenty to say on abortion, homosexuality, he had plenty to say about murder. Look at Psalm 139, how he talked about the prophet Jeremiah setting him apart in his mother's womb. There were laws in the old Testament against homosexuality, Uh, Jesus reaffirmed marriage in the new Testament. Paul obviously says a lot about it. So the argument Jesus never talked about X, Y, Z shows a very poor understanding of what scripture is. And I would say the person saying that does not have good discernment and the logic also doesn't follow. So Jesus never talked about pedophilia or rape explicitly. So does that mean we don't as Christians fight against that or, Mm -hmm. you know, advocate for laws against those things? No, because when we understand the whole whole council of scripture and can gain from that, um, the context of what is right and what is wrong. Um, there are, then we can know what's right and wrong in God's eyes. There are a lot of things Jesus never explicitly spoke on in the gospels, but we still advocate for against certain things and red letter Christians don't hold their own standards. Um, like I said earlier, they advocate fiercely for a better socialized healthcare, stricter gun laws or against capital punishment. But why? Jesus never explicitly said to do those things. Mm -hmm. So how do they know to fight for them by inferring from context, just like we do too. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, the logic doesn't follow. So I would just say any, the biggest red flag is Jesus never said X, Y, and Z. That's a good indication that someone doesn't understand scripture, um, doesn't understand the Trinity or just has poor discernment altogether. Yeah, that's great. That's a great tip. Yeah. And it's like, when you're going around looking for all the things Jesus didn't say, are, mm-hmm. are you, where is your focus? Because right. have you not seen what he did say? I mean, let's be, yeah. let's be concerned with the, 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 all the things he did say, which is plenty. It's plenty for us to go on and go, wow, there is a lot here that, that, uh, like we, like we've already said, just expounded on the law and, and just up the ante and he did not release us from from the reality of what God's law said, he showed us just how incapable we were of fulfilling it. And Mm -hmm. that should cause us to fall on our face before God in gratitude for the gift of Jesus and his death on the cross, because it it causes us to go, wow, the gift is so much greater than I even 
could have begun to believe or or understand yeah. and jesus's words show us that so i I, yeah. I mean it's so rich and so beautiful when you when you read scripture the way that it was meant to be read which is right. in light of all of all of scripture and when you don't piecemeal it out and mm-hmm. um yeah it's just it's so sad that so many fall for that but um i hope that what we've done here today is kind of give people yeah. a little bit of a hey look out for this be aware mm-hmm. of this and do not fall for it because yeah. it's not it's not an enriched or better version of, of Christianity there. You cannot improve on what Christ did and what the Bible says. You yeah, just absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Leanne. Where can people find you online and connect with you? Yeah. My main uh, ministry outlet is Instagram. So you can just follow me there at faithful defender. I'm also on Twitter, um, have a Facebook page too, but I definitely interact the most on Instagram. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. I know people are going to find this so helpful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. I hope that that conversation was enlightening and edifying for you. I know I learned a lot and I'm going to be able to actually identify more of those types of claims that we should just you know, just be concerned for the words of Jesus above all else. I even had a an Instagram post today, or actually yesterday, that is all about um, accusations of biblicism and bibliolatry that are coming from progressives, uh, people who call themselves progressive Christians, that are basically trying to separate Jesus from his word. So this is, it's kind of the same thing. It's making Jesus other than the Bible and his word, even though John 1 14 tells us that Jesus was the word made flesh. And John 1 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So there is no distinction. There is no separation there. We do not need to divorce Jesus from his very words um, and somehow elevate the words that he spoke on earth from everything else that is in the Bible. And so just be really on the lookout for that. I think we're going to see more and more of that. It's going to become more of a mainstream argument. And I think it's going to deceive a lot of people who think that it sounds reasonable and um, and that, that truly want to honor Christ. And they just don't understand what is really being done when that is being um, leveled. So that's what I always hope to do here on Kindled is just equip you and encourage you and give you uh, some ammunition for, you know, these conversations that are going to come up in your life or in your church or in your small group and um, just point you always to Christ, point you always to God's word and always to him as our help and our hope. So again, thank you for listening. Um, If you want to grab the show notes from today's episode, those are on my website at kindledpodcast.com. And come say hi. Find me on Instagram at hayleywilliams.kindled. And remember, you have three more episodes of May um, in the month of May before I take a break for the summer. And if you want more, you can join us inside Patreon at patreon.com slash kindledpodcast. So if you're in Patreon, I will see you Friday. And if not, I'll see you next Monday. Have a great day, guys.